Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with guitarist and luthier, Victor Baker. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Welcome to San Diego Sessions, episode 34. We are broadcasting almost live from Victory Mansions. We're on location at Ed Kornhauser's place. Right. This is the third episode we've recorded in my very modest abode. (laughs) I'm your host, saxophonist Ian Tordella. And I'm your other host, uh, pianist Ed Kornhauser. And we're here with our guest, guitarist and luthier Victor Baker. Hey, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I think uh, we've, we've all got a little pep in our voices. I think we've all had coffee this morning, yes. if I'm not mistaken. You can always use more, but it's good. I've had mine. I've had, I'm continuing to have mine, actually. <laughs> all right, and also today we're going to be joined by podcast guest number two, drummer and composer Matthew Smith, and he's going to be telling us about a show he's got coming up this weekend, Jazz on Tap. Big, big things are happening. It's going to be really incredible this week. Uh, but before before we get started, I have some incredible... Questions for my co-host Ed Kornhauser. Oh, incredible way! This is our <laughs> our segment, this versus that edition number thirty-four. Okay, first up, uh, saxophonist Jackie McLean, who was also a mentor to our very own Christopher Holiday, or trombonist versus, sorry, versus trombonist mm-hmm. Jack Teagarden. Oh wow, that's a tough one. They're both. I mean. Wow, they both were so important and, and both really incredible. Uh, I always loved Jack, Jack T. Garden as like a foil to Louis Armstrong. And, you know, they, they work so well together. But I think for, for personal taste, I'm going to go with Jack and McLean. But uh, I love Jack T. Garden too. Okay, back to, uh, back to our story. John, <laughs> Johnny Griffin, saxophonist Johnny Griffin versus saxophonist John Zorn. Ooh, oh, man. okay. This is. I think I flip flopped in my life, which if I think at different points in my life I would answer this question differently. <laughs> I think about uh, about ten years ago I would have definitely said John Zorn, but today I'm going to go with Johnny. These days I'm going to go with Johnny Griffin. All right. Um, I did like I do like John Zorn. Um, and Naked City can sometimes be a bit much, but sometimes it's the perfect. Uh, it's the perfect mood, um, and the Masada band's cool, and, but I'm going to go with Johnny Griffin right now. Okay, last one. We're going rapid fire today. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I say, we've all had coffee, clearly. <laughs> uh, saxophonist Al Khan, known, of course, for his duets with uh, Zoot Sims, or guitarist and fusion pioneer Al Di Miola. 
Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I have to throw in some guitars. It's yeah, guitars right. here. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um side note, they never played together. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it, it it's con, not cone? I've always said cone. Oh. But. Maybe it's Cone, Al Cone. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've just read it and just maybe I've read it wrong. I think you're right. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, I'd personally give it the guitar vote, but I'm biased. So. I know. I was going to say, I think I think you should go with, you should, uh, you yeah, should, you gotta you go should feel this one. Well, Aldi Miola. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Let's specify. <laughs> yes. I, I do. Uh, I do love the, uh, I think the most I've listened to him is on that. What's the record he did with Paco yeah. de Lucia and uh, John McLaughlin? The three, uh, it's just called Three Guitars. I don't remember, but I remember listening to Elegant Gypsy years ago. I'm I don't listen to Aldi Miola much, but yeah, that was the one that I'm you know I'm familiar with. Yeah. I, I mostly know him from the record, which whose name I just can't remember. But mm-hmm. it's the three of them. It's yeah. just the just three guitars. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's incredible. I can't remember the name. Yeah, I guess I guess we're gonna go. Uh, I'm getting strong armed. We're going with Aldi Miola. <laughs> All right, Aldi Miola, it is. <laughs> the votes are in. And again, our guest is Victor Baker, and we're gonna kick it off with one of his tunes. This is called "The Sneak." <laughs> Thank you. 
back and that was the sneak by our guest victor baker that was really cool man oh thank you i've yeah. i have i believe we jammed once and, mm -hmm. I, and i i think we played that tune it's, yeah it sounds great <laughs> who's who's uh, accompanying you on that uh those are guys i friends of mine in new york it's brian fishler drums uh trifon dimitrov on bass and noah mcneil on the keys very cool yeah i think just local guys in new york that i used to play with a lot and did a little guitar shop session and yeah you uh you recorded an album with those guys too mm -hmm. well. yeah the bass is in the drummer yeah the bass is in the drummer nice mm -hmm. very cool yeah. you mentioned uh, the guitar shop sessions these are recording sessions you do in your in your shop yeah how did you get into into doing those well i wanted to uh document the guitars that i make so i slowly accumulated some gear and I had a drum set at the shop in New York, and I just got a drum set for the shop here in San Diego. Just you know, bring guys in and play a new guitar that I have, and you know, I, I compose a lot of music, so right. Usually, I, I'll call tunes that that I've written. You know, I usually record it for my own V blog, uh, video blog that I do, and uh, you know, feature the music as you know, underneath things that I do in my shop. Very cool. Yeah. As a quick plug, where can people find your your the blog? The I usually post it. I I have a uh, just looked up look up Victor Baker on YouTube, and I also post a lot of things on my Facebook page. And you know, those are the two main places. Gotcha. Yeah. As you mentioned, you're you're quite a prolific composer. Um, harmonically, who are some of your your biggest influences? Well, that's kind of a hard question. Hmm. Um, I kind of try to think that I've made up my own language. I've always made a point to to try and be individual. But guitar players I listen to are like, you know, Kurt Rosenwickle. I went to school with Kurt. And, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, we have a similar background and, um, you know, from the same place and went to the same school at the same time. And, nice. Where, where, where was that? Uh, he's from Philadelphia. I'm from the Philadelphia area. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we were at, at Berkeley the same time. And uh, I mean, he wouldn't remember me. I made him a guitar, but he wouldn't remember me from those days. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say I've, I've heard that uh, Berkeley is there. Are, I mean, there's many great guitarists, but there are many guitarists. Yeah, it's, there it's are a sea of strings. Yeah, that that Six strings that I believe that of any other instrument or you know type of musician, there's more guitarists per yeah. capita. It's a guitar Berkeley. factory. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I was there, but yeah, when I was there, there was tons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even at University of North Texas is like that. And you go to improv class, and the class is like twelve guitar players, and then there's twelve people of everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> between the rhythm it's section ironic, and the horn. Jazz guitar is incredibly difficult because I've I've dabbled in other instruments. Like I played trumpet for a while, and huh. you know I was like, wow, this is so much easier. But I mean, the embouchure kind of is right. The, but the, I could the, I, the I could mountain. see conceptually to a certain extent. Conceptually, the trumpet is just incredibly simple it's one note at a time you're not dealing yeah. with uh having to do harmony uh mm -hmm. and you're also not dealing with and this is blows my mind i mean i'm a pianist so i have to deal with how do i voice things all these different notes sure but piano is still i think 
incredibly more simple than guitar. Yeah, you, yeah. It does just have the this... way it's laid out. It's the same everywhere, and I mean, each each instrument has its own challenges, but yeah, there, there's some weird idiosyncratic things on the piano that are just bizarre. Mm -hmm. But I think it's way more on guitar because there's all these notes that repeat. Yeah, and then it's different like altered fingerings. You can just different ways of playing the same thing. Yeah, I have a lot of stringed instruments in this apartment, and I don't play any of them. I've been I've been bested by all of them, and I don't even try. Yeah, got a guitar. I've got that horrible mandolin. It's really beneficial to play another instrument. Like I was I was I, I just bought that drum set for the guitar shop, mm. and I was thinking, man, I should just get some cymbals and. Just learn how to swing, man, and yeah, just why not? I'm sitting there. I bought it. I've been playing. I've been playing a little bit of drums recently, just for fun. I wish I could have a set here, but mm -hmm. it's been it's been a fun process. Yeah. Um, what got you into jazz originally? Oh man, um, I guess that's where I started when I took lessons as a kid. You know, the jazz language. I, I started out playing rock and metal and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, my teenage years, um, which I still listen to a ton of. But you know, the jazz language was just. Where my teacher started, he was a Berkeley grad, piano player, playing, mm. you know, doubled on guitar, and um, you know, just introduced me to the real book, and that's you know, this is where I started educationally. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. being in Philadelphia, they have a pretty big scene there. Oh, I mean, Philly's it's, it's got, sort of like a miniature New York. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's some really, really talented players. I was just listening to an older uh, John Swana record on on YouTube, The mm -hmm. Philadelphians. I mean, on yeah. Spotify yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I've played with, with Larry Johnny's. McKenna, and yeah, yeah I know all those guys. Great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And John's harmonic language is incredible. He's not playing much trumpet these days because I don't I don't know why, but he's more on on the electronic yeah. wind instrument. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. I think I think it's what you call it. Ewe, yeah. Ewe, yeah. electronic oh, valve. Valve. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's what it is. Right. <laughs> Which mean, he's, he plays incredibly, you know, crazy stuff on that thing. And he's also been playing some valve trombone. Oh, actually, yeah. Oh, you know what? I, I think yeah, I, I think that. he has some amateur problems. So doing yeah. trumpet is just too problematic. At this yeah, point. I can't even but imagine. He's such a great player. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Getting off on a tangent. Yeah. That's <laughs> all right. So, uh, so you grew up in Philly, and then of course you went to Berkeley and Boston, and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, where did you move to after that? Or were you um, when I left Boston, I went back to Philly. Then in the mid-90s, I lived in New York City and um, lived there for like four years, that stretch. And I used to play in a subway. I used to have a subway performance huh. license. Yeah, it's called Music Under New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, you have to, you can't just set up and play in the subway. You got to get a permit. Mm. And to get the permit, you have to do an audition process. There's a whole arts program there. Wow. So I did a lot of gigs in the subway there um, that period, which was pretty formative because, you know, you can hire, you know, when you're in New York, you, you can get all kinds of crazy musicians on your gigs no matter where they are. So it was kind of like where I learned how to play tunes. Wow. Yeah. You were doing you were doing jazz stuff mm -hmm. or your own original music? Uh, I was more I was more into the standard t repertoire then. Um, I did write, but not not like I do now. Mm. Yeah. That's crazy. You just bring a battery rig down. Yeah, there? it's called. It was what was that thing? Uh, um, yeah, battery powered amp. It was. It wasn't the best sound. I mean, you know, you're in the noisy subway anyway. Yeah, but, right. You know, it smells like hot garbage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as our as our guest uh, Curtis Taylor on the podcast last week uh, quipped. Yeah, it smells like hot garbage. Yep. Yeah, among other things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, when you were living there, were you working mostly as a musician or as a, as we've mentioned, you're a luthier or, mm -hmm. or. I hadn't started making guitars yet. Okay. Um, I was bartending and just freelancing, trying to get as many gigs as possible. Um, did a little bit of teaching, mostly did bar, you know, bartending work actually, you know, huh. just a side job. But, you know, I 
took some lessons with people and, you know, just try to gig as much as I could. So you mentioned that uh, you weren't quite into making uh, guitars yet and doing yeah. luthier work. How did you get into that in the first place? Well, I moved, when I left New York, I moved back to Philadelphia and uh, I got super busy. I was gigging a ton and... In Philly? Yeah, and teaching like sometimes up to 50 students a week oh guitar wow. lessons. Oh, yeah that, that sounds hellish. it was it was it was harrowing i got really tired and i decided i wanted to you know start a hobby so that's huh. when i picked up the trumpet again and long story short that didn't turn into a hobby it was more of like a mountain to climb it was another thing to you know master i mean trumpet's not an easy instrument at all no the quick quick sidebar do you still mm-hmm. do you still play trumpet i or? do not no uh. i don't yeah i sold it and I, I had i had a nice trumpet and a nice flugelhorn but oh bummer yeah it was just not enough time in the day so i mean you could always get back to it that's like falling off a bike mm-hmm. i mean i remember <laughs> yeah i remember yeah you're right it's like riding a bike a little, a little bit i mean i the conditioning of your armature is just yeah impossible it, but what, what's that yeah it's a struggle what's the what's that that's one of my favorite quotes in jazz i'm gonna um paraphrase it but the dizzy quote about how you know you pick up the day you pick up the trumpet every day and some days you win some days the horn wins mm-hmm. this goes on and on until you die and then the horn wins <laughs> oh man i haven't it, heard that way that's a, <laughs> that's I, it's, it's it's more or less it but it's yeah. a, that's a great quote. Oh, you could say that about any instrument actually right but it's just i think there is something it's trumpet is you, the the embouchure is so yeah. the phys, physically dependent on you working it mm-hmm. every day and yeah. Which is I, I think that would be somewhat less than some other instrument. Well, maybe yeah. not, but yeah. no. I, I couldn't pick up the trumpet and make a sound now, even though I know the concept of the instrument. <laughs> um. Anyway, sorry to get back on mm-hmm. on your luthier work. You so you you started. Yeah, with so trumpet. I, I I started that as a hobby and decided to can the idea of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I was working in a uh, I was I was renting space, uh, the second floor of a guitar repair shop. To oh. do to do my uh, teaching business. Gotcha. You know, I would you know do uh, all kinds of guitar lessons and you know, and I would between lessons I would always go down to the repair shop and check out what the guys were doing and you know just kind of you know I, I always did my own setups on my own guitars and dabbled with it as a kid, but it was really fun just checking out what those guys were doing to repair instruments and I decided you know what man why don't I just buy some books and videos and and try to build a guitar. You know, I thought it was, I thought it wow. was a good idea at the time. Huh. And this was <laughs> it, back when you couldn't just turn on YouTube and, no, and this see was, like, yeah, this is late nineties. You know. There was no, I mean, I bought books and literal videos. I mean, wow. Yeah. Now there's probably you know three days worth of tutorials on yeah. how to how to do proper yeah, it's immensely work. It's easier now to gather the information. So you were mostly self-taught. I'm entirely self-taught. Wow. As no, far as you didn't never went to school making. or anything or. Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I try. I asked a bunch of uh, you know well-known luthiers if they needed any need an apprentice, and mm-hmm. or if they take a student, and you know everybody was nice about it, but nobody had time, yeah. which I understand now in hindsight as as a busy builder. Um, but I, I wanted to know, so I just you know took it on myself to seek out the information and figure it out. And I don't know if I'd recommend doing that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, did, that's how it happened. So. Did you did you get your start in that same guitar mm-hmm. shop yeah, using their yeah, yeah. using their? To- I imagine it would require a lot of tools. And yeah, I did buy my own tools. I I mean I would borrow borrow stuff for those guys, mm. but I mean that they they it was a re- busy repair shop. They were using their stuff all the time, yeah. so I could I I could borrow some things, but yeah, I I just bought tools slowly and um 
you know, experimented and built my first guitar and I played tons of gigs on it and huh. it was awful, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was my new guitar and I was <laughs> determined to play my gigs with my guitar. So I did, I did do that. Had you, had you done much like woodworking at all beforehand? Or? When I was a kid, I, I worked in a chair shop, oh. um, just doing general sanding, you know, menial labor type wow. of stuff. Huh. So technically I was around woodworking for a period when I was a kid, but nothing compared to what, what Luthery de- demands. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 it's a different thing. What uh, so you 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 kept with that? What style of guitars do you primarily build? I'm I'm known for the jazz guitars, you know, okay. the carved arch tops. I do semi-hollow guitars. Just just to sorry, just mm-hmm. to clarify for our listeners, and also I have to admit myself. Uh, could you define an arch top for yeah, me? Yeah, an arch top guitar is it's 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 a guitar that's pretty much based on the violin family of instruments. Um, you know, has a, a the, the top is carved into a dome, sort of like. Like an upright bass or a cello. Okay, kind of same kind of thing. Con, uh, what's that? Convex. It sort mm-hmm. of comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, you know as opposed to a flat top guitar like your like the classical guitar. Right. It's with, just a thin sheet of wood with bracing inside. You're gesturing at the really crummy classical guitar I have on yeah. my wall. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> In sorry. In its blazing glory. Yes. But um, yeah, carved guitar is you you start with thicker material and you carve the shape of the top into it. You know, like a cello yeah. or a violin. Yeah. And this is a part of the podcast where Ed and I pretend to know stuff about guitars. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you play much guitar? There's going to be a quiz after I this. play a little guitar. I know some jazz voicings. I can play my dominant 13. Oh, wow. Yeah, and some uh, minor nines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, know, are, I know E and A and D and G <laughs> and C, and that's it. Yeah, well, and that's B7. all you need to know. <laughs> oh, and B7. I know B7. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And I could do the 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 E seven sharp nine, the kind of upper, mm-hmm. the, the Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. All that's I... literally it. Yeah, yeah. No, you could do a lot. So when did your luthier business begin to take off, and you started to get other players interested in your work? Yeah. So the first guitar, I gave, like I said, I gave it its paces on my own gigs, and then I, you know, I started building another guitar. And since I was in the guitar repair shop, lots of gu- lots of guys would come in you know, the shop and I would show them what I was doing and it just kind of caught on that, that I was doing this. So I, I slowly started getting a couple commissions Nice. and I posted a few guitars online. And the next thing I knew, I started getting super busy and I had to stop teaching. So, well, Hey, v- yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I enjoy teaching, but I'd rather build guitars. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of, you had automatic traffic of people, yeah, professionals kinda, coming in and out yeah, of the shop anyhow. Just, um, you know, did repairs. its organic thing. Yeah, I was very yeah. fortunate because oh. it's very hard to get a start in guitar building, getting a, a, a product out there in, in, in the industry that I am. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. Well, I've been to NAM and the whole mm-hmm. basement of one of the places is all just uh, luthier stuff yeah. and tools and there's guys with chunks of wood and mm-hmm. all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of competition. Yeah. Do you make models that you've created strictly or do you do fully custom ones for people? Uh, well, I do have my own designs, you know, like the body shape and the headstock mm. shape. Um, mm. Some things are universal, like the dimensions of the neck. Um, but uh, m- most of my work, the vast majority of my work is commissioned. Mm. So each player will choose what they want on their instrument and I, you know, custom tailor it to... You know, a lot of guys choose very similar things, hmm. but um, yeah, there's there's a whole menu of items that I go over with a client. 
like wood to, wood variety wood and, variety dimensions colors yeah style of instrument obviously yeah, yeah you know there's bigger guitars smaller guitars um depends on what the player does too like you know like a peter bernstein player would would ask for a certain style of guitar versus like a kurt rosenwinkel player the different different models are different suited for different players um do you mostly play your own guitars or do you have several <laughs> uh do you have several others in your arsenal of balls? so i had of, to ask no i know this is kind of a funny thing actually sometimes i don't actually own an instrument yeah huh because, oh, because you're always selling them because i always need to pay the rent so i i i will sell a guitar out from under myself and there's <sighs> been periods where i would not have a guitar i would i mean i would have a guitar to to play a gig or do stuff with but it would always be a client's guitar you know i try to space it out so that i you know another one comes in when another one's ready to play when the the other one goes out i mean i do have one of my own guitars right now but yeah i haven't played um you know any other brands of guitars since I don't know. It's been 20 years. Probably. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you don't have an Ibanez or an FFL? I do just have an old around? Gibson Howard Roberts, but I haven't taken it out of the case in ages. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't even remember. <laughs> I think I still have it. Well, you're welcome to borrow mine anytime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. I, it's, it's ready to go. I might take you up on that. Yeah. With the cuts and the scars and the. Yeah. It's character, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to test your guitars because you have no option other than to play exactly. the guitars you're working on. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Also, our, my saxophone repair guy, who's also was a guest on the show, Les Arbuckle. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll do. He's known to do the same thing. He'll yeah. sell. He'll sell his own horn. Yeah, it's to, you know. Wow. Yeah, you gotta pay <laughs> just, the rent. So he switched to another is one. Is nothing sacred? <laughs> no, yeah. no. I'll sell you the shirt if you're. Uh, really interested. <laughs> um, are your guitars? Pro- you kind of mentioned that they're they're more. You're more into making jazz guitars, but are they primarily just for jazz musicians, or is there some cross genre? Oh yeah, there's cross well? genres. In fact, you know, I'll back up and say I'll I'll do any type of instrument. Um, you know, flat tops. I'm doing. You know, I'm actually doing an arch top bass right now. Really, I'm like an electric, an electric. Yeah, it's a it's a huh. it's based on one of my larger arch top guitars, but it has a bass body, sort of like the the bass that John Patitucci is using right now. Okay. Somebody asked me to make one, and so I, it's a hollow hollow body. Mm-hmm. Base. Yep, yep. Very cool. Yeah, super cool. I know. Oh, yeah. Well, um, Jason Littlefield, local San mm-hmm. Diego bassist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, Ian. He got his uh, his his very first upright bass mm-hmm. uh, got so decrepit over time it became un- untenable to actually play anymore. Yeah. It's like a car. It's like it costs more <laughs> to fix than it's worth. But it was his first bass, and he found someone to take the wood, cut it up, and make a hollow body electric bass out oh, of no it. Oh, no way. Like, wow. use, bit, use large parts of it. And wow. so it's electric or electric upright? Uh, electric. Oh, like, that's insane. That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, but, I'd, I'd like to see that. Yeah, it's really quite nifty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's the same. You could see that the, the main part of it is an electric. I'm sure it has a bunch of new components, but it still keeps, you know. Wow. He yeah. has that now. He has that part of his his life like mm-hmm. forever. And but you know, it's not this giant instrument that you can't play anymore. Right, taking up space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Um, also, you can get your. This is a little bit of a tangent, but you can get your upright chopped, kind of like you get a Hammond B three chopped. And there's mm-hmm. a guy who make Dave Holland plays one. It's called a check ease. Oh yeah, they're very. So they cool. cut off the bottom yeah, part of your yeah. bass, and then you can check it on an airplane. Esperanza well, Spalding has one of those. Still got to go in cargo, but yeah, yeah. Do you do repair and customization work or strictly work on your own instruments? Yeah, I don't have time to do repairs. In mm. fact, I'm not a very good repairman. And that's a, that's kind of a different art 
Mm. You know, I start with lumber that's that I can cut into neat, you know, lines and and start from scratch. In other words, but with a repair, you might it might be a break. You know, the, the wood splintered out, it's yeah. completely shattered. You know, I'm I'm talking maybe like a headstock break or something like that. I mean, I could certainly do setup work and electronics work, but you know, hardcore repair work is a different art. So I don't I don't have time I don't have time to do it. Well, that that takes care of my next question of: Do you fix? Would you fix my guitar? Actually, not that one. Uh, <laughs> Can you do a little so bit? Yeah. Not, no, not <laughs> actually, not that one. Actually, I uh, I, I uh, recently got a um, inher- kind of inherited, and I'd like to get it working again. An old Gibson tenor guitar. Oh wow! From 1901, it belonged wow. to my great grandfather, and there's a split up the back. Yeah, and uh, as well as the the the, it's an arch top, mm-hmm. and it's all it's all messed up. Yeah. I mean, it's a hundred and. 15 plus years old you know what man i, I would i mean I, i'll gorgeous. take a look at it and, and try to help but there's restoration guys oh yeah specialize. yeah that's a whole thing man there's because it's a uh you know it's an exacting art i mean there's techniques that i don't know actually right. yeah um so for our listeners where can people contact you about your custom guitars and my website is victorbakerguitars.com and you know i got tons of uh guitar pictures galleries I'm getting close to the, my 500th guitar. Wow. Um, it might not happen this year. Definitely before this time next year. I got to think of something good to do with it. But yeah, VictorBakerGuitars.com. Um, you know, there's. I also have a, a pretty big blog there. There's a link there. Nice. You know, I take all kinds of pictures. I'm kind of a picture junkie in the guitar shop. I'll, you know, it's fun for me. So, you know, I, I it's so easy to take pictures with, with the phones now. And uh, yeah. you know, I take a lot of pictures of the process. And, you know, it's, it's more than just the guitar pictures. You can actually see what I'm doing. I'm sure for luthiers out there, that would be quite an interesting uh, source of information. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Other guitar makers always, always you know, check in with me and say, hey, man, I saw what you were doing. And, you know, Very thanks cool. for the idea. And, yeah, I'm an open, my life's an open book, man. I'm not. It's a cool community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many, there's so little people doing what i do it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to stay busy once you once you're established so um yeah if anybody has a question for me luthery wise i'm always open to sharing what i know you know it's not a secret (laughs) nice well let's get on into another tune and that'll take us into the break um this next one is called during the move which was actually during not during your move to san diego but your last move yeah yeah Um, yeah when i moved from uh, philadelphia to new york city well, I was at it nine years ago. Yeah, so. Wow. And who are the players on, on this track? Um, I think it's the same band. Oh, yeah. great. Okay. Mm-hmm. New York crew. Thank you. 
and you're listening to San Diego Sessions. Listen online, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back and we're here with Matthew Smith. If you remember, he was guest on San Diego Sessions episode number two. And he's going to discuss some big uh, goings-on this weekend with Jazz on Tap. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing very well, Ian. Thanks for having me again. So you've been up, you're just about to finish your first year at Cal Arts up in L.A., or north north of Los Angeles. It's been a quite a journey up there at school. It's um, I, I highly recommend checking it out if if anyone's interested in a master's program or a uh, creative music degree and uh, wanting to get up there to LA. It's it's such a um, beautiful place and such a um, it's packed with staff that like really care about you. So I'm very very excited to go there, and it's a I don't know. They they gave me a pretty cool scholarship, so I'm actually not hurting financially too too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we have a lot of the uh, young lions and um, some of the kids in Ambassadors of Soul who listen to the show. So, um, what would you say to them if they're considering like some place on the East Coast or or Northridge or Cal Arts? I know you also went to Northridge. Oh no, I, I went to I went to Cal State Fullerton. Oh, Fullerton. <clears throat> but right. uh, I would say my advice to anyone out there that's listening that wants to go to music school is make sure you you really enjoy your private teacher and um the rest is 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 cake because if you enjoy your private teacher then you're really going to school for for the right reasons to to learn and from someone that you respect. You know, my teacher is um, Joe LaBarba, who, you know, famously played with, you know, Bill Evans. Uh, he was his last drummer. Um, so getting to work with him once a week is by far one of the one of the most greatest experiences to to play a tune with him and to trade fours and trade eights with him on, on any tune. Is, and he kicks my butt every time. Yeah. It's so good. So it's I, I highly recommend just finding a private teacher or someone that you admire that you like to play with that teaches at college that you would like to go to and and then seek it out. Yeah, and you can even, you know, for the younger students out there, take a lesson with these guys or or women before you go mm-hmm. to the school. Yeah, I would recommend that <laughs> Don't first. Do it obviously, after. obviously. Yeah, um, I think. But you sometimes would... that didn't occur to me when I was young. But then I have some students who are going out, and they they'll take a lesson when they visit a school. So I mean, I never figured that out when I was a kid. I was just like, huh? You know, I was just overwhelmed. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but speaking of of Cal Arts, you just got to record. A bunch of original music at Capitol Records. I did. I got to do five songs. Um, that was a whole day at the studio. Um, not only was that 
uh, nerve wracking, but it was probably the most easiest studio experience I've ever been in. Um, I showed up and they had everything set up, everything ready to go. Um, they had an engineer running the board and they had an engineer running the session. So that was really nice for workflow to, you know, to really crank out those tunes. And, and I think they had about 12 bands over the course of two days. So it's kind of an engineer's wow. nightmare. Yeah. But <laughs> no, they needed two guys. <laughs> yeah. But they really, really took it on and, and, and they don't, you know, just do this out of sympathy. They do this because they really love the project. And, uh, David Reutstein, the director of jazz studies really has, um, how do I say it? He's such an integral part of that project. So, you know, my hat's off to him and to um, everyone that participated on that project. Holy cow. And do they do that once a year or every semester? Mm -hmm. They do that once a year and they release it. And um, it's going to be more on the digital side this year. Um, They're going to release it sometime in May and then it should be up on streaming um, thereafter. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, you actually came in to, to tell us about, uh, on April 21st, there's an awesome show going on that you produce. It's called Jazz on Tap, and this is a fifth year that you guys are doing it. Correct. Jazz on Tap is um, a great festival that um, combines some of our favorite things, craft beer and jazz together in one festival for one great cause, um, the cause of which is water for people. They go to rural parts of the world um, that don't have access to water and they give them the means to get water to their village to their city to the part of the world that may not have access so they would they they lay the pipe that's down there and and they teach them how to um maintain when i mean them i mean the the people whoever um that they're at or where they're at to maintain and work their own land so that they can um sustain themselves when the water for people group needs to go like maintain the whole system yeah yeah so it's a great cause um we all know we're in california out here and and although the drought has been lifted we we still always have to be water conscious so i, I would say donating to a water cause is probably one of the best things that anyone can do here in san diego yeah so this is saturday april 21st and it's not just your band it's a full-on festival yeah there's <clears throat> there's where's, five, where's it going to be it's going to be at the courtyard downtown yeah. <laughs> At the courtyard, okay. Um, the courtyard's a great open air venue. Um, it's more, it's just really just a venue with with a bar. They have a dog park. Um, it's dog friendly, and we're gonna have five bands there. Um, we're gonna have a whole big band named the Jazz Cats, and that's led by Chaz Cabrera, um, featuring Whitney Shea on vocals. Um, the Monette Marino World Ensemble is gonna be playing, and they're also gonna be leading a percussion parade. That's gonna be so awesome. The Surefire Soul Ensemble is our newest addition this year, and they're going to, if you haven't seen the Surefire Soul Ensemble, they're truly ones ones to see. And to top it all off, we have Gilbert Castellanos, who's bringing a great quintet down here. It's featuring Sam Hirsch on piano, Dean Hewlett on bass, Robert Dove on the tenor saxophone, and Kevin Canner on the drum set. It's going to be a quite an epic night. Nice. So a mix of LA guys and our local San Diego Correct. guys in that group. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So where can people find out more and get tickets? Um, What I would highly recommend that you do is that you go to eventbrite.com and you find the Jazz on Tap. My gosh, the Jazz on Tap section, and uh, you'll be able to purchase your tickets there. You can also do a quick Google search for uh, water for people and then Jazz on Tap, and you should bring up a slew of information. Tickets are $10 pre-sale, and they're 15 at the door, and it starts at 4, and it goes until 11. And I don't want to forget that you can also bring your pets. Your dogs are welcome. 
Awesome. And it's a family-friendly event, too. Correct. All yeah. ages are welcome. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And we're also looking forward to whenever you have some new tunes, please bring them on down and we'll feature them on the podcast. Sounds good to me. Jazz forecast for April 16th through the 22nd. Monday, April 16th, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular Monday night jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight, no cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, April 17th, the Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban and Latin jazz jam session, kicks off downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight at Prohibition. Electronic and effects-driven quartet Moth & Sons performs at 7 Grand from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. Featuring your host, Ian Tordella on sax, Joey Carano on guitar, Harley Magzino on bass, and Charlie Weller on drums. No cover, but you must be 21 or older. Wednesday, April 18th, Doug Walker's Circle of Jazz plays at Point Loma Library from 6.30 to 7.30. Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around the city. The Gabriel Sunday Jazz Trio will be at 7 Grand from 9.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. Thursday, April 19th. The Robert Dove Trio continues their first and third Thursday residency at Panama 66 from 7 to 9 p.m. Check out the new jam session at the Can Club, hosted by saxophonists Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. $5 cover, but musicians get in for free. You must be 21 or older. Friday, April 20th. The Peter Sprague Trio plays at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Featuring bassist Justin Grinnell and drummer Duncan Moore. No cover, and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. The Bessos Quartet plays at Cafe Madeline in South Park from 6 to 9 p.m. Come eat, drink, and dance. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music from 8 to 11 p.m. Saturday, April 21st, a great day for jazz in San Diego. The fifth annual Jazz on Tap Festival kicks off downtown at the Courtyard, featuring performances from Gilbert Castellanos, the Surefire Soul Ensemble, Monette Moreno, the Jazz Cats Orchestra, and the Matt Smith New Jazz Trio. All proceeds benefit Water for People, a charity which seeks to bring clean drinking water and sanitation to developing countries across the world. $10 for presale and $15 at the door. Things start off at 4 p.m. and go till 11. All ages and pets are welcome. LA-based organist The White Blinds brings their classical soul sound to Panama 66 from 7 to 9 p.m., featuring organist extraordinaire Carrie Frank, guitarist Matt Hornbeck, and drummer Michael Duffy. No cover and all ages welcome. Also Saturday, San Diego flutist Bradley Layton is joined by Seattle pianist Deems Sutakawa at Northern Spirits in San Marcos. Music starts at 7.30. Pianist Joshua White pays tribute to the late great pianist Jerry Allen at Dizzy's, featuring Kamau Kenyatta on sax, 
Mackenzie Layton on bass, and Tyler Cattell on drums. The show starts at 8 p.m., cover is $20, and all ages are welcome. Singer Allison Adams Tucker is joined by guitarist Joe Amato and drummer Laurel Grinnell at the Westgate Hotel from 8 to 11 p.m. And finally, the Crew d'Etat Brass Band plays some New Orleans jazz jams at 7 grand at 10 p.m. No cover, but you must be 21 or older. Sunday, April 22nd, guitarist and vocalist Steph Johnson and bassist Rob Thorson play some modern funky jams at the Turf Supper Club from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover, but you must be 21 or older. I'm Matt Smith, and you've been listening to San Diego Sessions. San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com. And we're back here on San Diego Sessions, brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Today we're recording at Victory Mansions, and you heard During the Move, and right after that we heard Weird Bread with the Jazz Calendar. Uh... And remember, for our listeners, you can follow us online and see some extras and video clips and pictures on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And you can also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show or, or we'd love to hear your comments, questions, criticisms, drop us an email. That's SD Sessions podcast at gmail.com and of course uh always uh, get on that itunes and subscribe and give us a nice uh, nice five-star review if you like us and if you don't like us keep it to yourself and you can just send us hate mail at that email ian mentioned i love to get hate mail <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> seriously i love it uh, again we're, we're back with our guest uh new san diego transplant guitarist and luthier victor baker and yeah. now it's time for our favorite segment You've been dying in anticipation all week. This is the San Diego 7, hosted by our very own Ed Kornhauser. This is the uh, San Diego 7. These are seven rapid-fire questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head. Oh, the pressure. And the bottom of your heart. Okay. You know what? I'm going to drop the rapid-fire bit because they're okay. not rapid-fire. Hold on a second. We have to hook them up to the polygraph. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'll try my best with the truth, but no promises. <laughs> um, number one. Okay. What did you listen to on the drive over here? Nothing. I lived nine minutes from here. So oh, silence. Yeah, yeah, it was just, yeah, I kind of opened the, the door, of the, or the window, the, and just kind of, this morning I was listening to the wind. That's, you know, that's, that's, that can be very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, my, in my old car, which I, I'm just in the process of getting rid of, there was something wrong with the side view mirrors, and it would always create this giant whooshing whistle rush mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So I would always listen to things, because otherwise I'd have to listen to this horrible noise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last thing I listened to was some classical guitar music mm-hmm. on YouTube. I was uh, listening to some Bach. Always, always is, solid choice. Yeah. yeah so. Um, I think we kind of already discussed this, but number two, what was the first guitar you ever made? And yeah, what was the, you kind of meant, you mentioned it a little bit. Yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, this is getting kind of technical, but it was a laminate, uh, top, arch top. Hmm. I didn't have the, the courage to carve a top yet. So you can get laminated arched plates from different places. And I just bought one of those and 
That's the first thing I did. Yeah. Nice. And that was the, your first instrument you ever made. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Very cool. And it worked. And it, it worked. worked. It didn't explode when yeah, I took it, it to up. A gig. <laughs> I, I gigged with it many times. You don't want to get one of those exploding guitars. I mean, it sounded horrible, but yeah. no. <laughs> uh, number three. Mm-hmm. Are New York bagels better? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot about that, and uh, I, it just... It doesn't make sense to me. Well, they boil them. They, that's, they, that's they boil the them and they get this 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 layer on the outside that is just I don't know. You can't explain it. I mean, I've had bagels here that were good. Yeah, they just they aren't New York bagels. There's a special thing, and it is is definitely a certain thing. I've yeah. heard about the boiling thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just sounds like the proof is in the process. So yes, you can boil them out here. They they say. I mean. Hardcore New Yorkers will say that the best ones are in Brooklyn too, because they have it's it's something with the water. Water, right? Some sort of mineral content. Mineral content. I've read I've read some things that kind of throw that into dispute, but the boiling mm-hmm. thing is kind of crucial. Yeah. And people out here, lazy bakers, just bake them. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. I've actually boiled bagels in my day, so oh, uh, so I'll give you a tutorial sometime. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> uh, we could do another podcast about bread. Yeah. We interrupt this podcast well, to boil bagels. We are interviewing a baker right now. <laughs> I am a baker. <laughs> uh, number four, are there any other guitar luthiers you look up to in particular? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my sources of knowledge in the beginning was Bob Benedetto. Mm. Um, I've heard of him. Actually, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like one of the biggest guys to ever make the Archtop guitar. So... Uh, yeah, Bob Benedetto was was a huge huge inspiration. I, I read on your website actually as a quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, you were commissioned to build a master series of vintage D'Angelo uh, reproductions. Yeah, D'Angelico. Yeah, D'Angelico. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, how did you go about that? Well, I uh, a, a, um, a guitar maker friend, Gene. Actually, his name is Gene Baker. Uh-huh. Uh, um, you know, we got we discovered each other on the internet one year and was like, hey, man, you're named Baker and you're making guitars. And we just kind of found some common ground with our names and, got, you know, struck up a friendship. And Gene was commissioned by the D'Angelico company as their master builder. And he didn't want to do it anymore, so he recommended me. Hmm. And D'Angelico, for those people that don't know, is yeah. a uh, very, very historically important maker, John D'Angelico. Uh, in the archtop world, kind of one of the pioneers of the instrument from way back in the 30s, 40s. So it's a very New York archtop uh, heritage thing um, with with that name. And the the, the, the company is owned by, um, you know, separate entities now, but they own the rights to the name. So they commissioned me to get into building some reproductions of the old D'Angelico guitars. Huh. Yeah, so it was... It's pretty. It's a pretty big deal in the Luthery world, and it was, yeah. it was a very, very challenging gig. And but it was super cool. I made the first Angelicos that were in New York for I don't know decades. Wow. And yeah. It was. It was a fun year. We did it for a year, and that was it. Did you use like high tech computer scans and? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they had some uh, guitars that they had scanned somehow, laser scanned, and I, you know I'm I'm pretty well versed in in CAD and CAM and the, you know the computer side of design. Oh, wow. And uh, so they gave me all the files, and I was able to reproduce. There was things I had to improve because they scanned very old instruments that were twisted and warped and stuff. Did you have the actual instruments there as well? Some sometimes I had an instrument to to reference, um, but the ones they scanned were privately owned, 
so I never actually saw the guitar, but uh, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was fun reproduction work. Wow, it was, yeah, it was fun. Um, number five, uh, mm-hmm. these and this next two, these next two are this versus that, kind of like in the beginning. Okay, and this is uh, this is Victor themed. Okay, number five, this versus that. Composer who penned jazz standards, Stella by Starlight, and Beautiful Love, among others, mm-hmm. Victor Young, mm-hmm. versus the late final bassist for Weather Report, Victor Bailey. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, how do, you how do we come up with these? Those yeah, are these two, are tough, man. Those That's are a... two random ones, yeah. Well, I mean, I go through phases and, and stuff where I'll be on either one of those kind of wavelengths. Yeah, I feel you. I've been trying to get back into learning relearning my repertoire so i'm gonna go with the standard side victor young victor yeah. Young, yeah he wrote some he wrote some cool yeah. tunes i didn't realize he was a violinist that oh was really his, that no was i didn't know thing. that either i didn't oh, know that either. i looked that up this morning mm-hmm. uh <laughs> number six this is again victor themed mm-hmm. this versus that danish pianist and comedian victor borga okay <laughs> or electric bass superstar Victor Wooten. Uh, I, I, I guess I, I guess I gotta go Victor Wooten. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I actually sometimes I have conversations with people and it triggers like YouTube binges, so I yeah. might have to go on a Victor Borgia binge. On he's funny, man. I yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, I was thinking about him and I was writing an adjective and I wrote hammy and then I thought, well, or is he hammy or is he highbrow? I can't tell. <laughs> it's like when like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Th- I think he'd be considered highbrow now. But yeah. hammy back then. Yeah, I, I always need material to listen to at the shop because I listen to music and stuff all day in the headphones and stuff. So that will be done this week coming up. <laughs> I will keep uh, you posted. And uh, number seven, I'm not going to interpret this for you. Mm-hmm. Rush. Mm-hmm. Rush. You mean the group? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's open. It's just. It's a non-question. It's a non-question. It's just. Uh, hmm? Yeah, I, I like Rush. Yeah. Like um, Tom Sawyer. I, I played a lot of air drums to that song. I, you know. Just have that. That's the one that's got the one bar. Is it seven in it? Um, I don't think so. I, mean, I thought I thought there was some the weird riff in the middle that. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Is it seven? I've never really thought about it. Something. Yes. Yeah. Sounds like it would be seven. I'd have I, to hear it back. I know you've you you do a lot of mixed meter and odd times in the yes. shows in your music yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 All right. Since that is seven, that wraps up this week's edition of the San Diego Seven. Nice. All right. <laughs> I made it through. <laughs> he made it. Um, we were talking on the break. Uh, mm-hmm. you you were living in New York. Yeah. Uh, what what brought you out to California? In fact, when did you move out here to San Diego? I've been in San Diego. This is mid-April, so I've been here three and a half months. Wow. I got here New Year's Eve, so I'm I'm a San Diego infant, hmm. as they as you would say. What uh, what what caused the move? Uh, well, I love New York City, but um, the shop space that I had, the rent on it went up almost double in the years that I was there. Jeez. And we had we had a rent controlled apartment, so it was really cheap, but it was super tiny. And I have, you know, I have a wife and a and a 12-year-old kid. So we just outgrew everything there. Uh and we got kind of priced out. Mm. So I tried to look for a new guitar shop there. Couldn't find anything. And we've been we've been taking vacations out west here last few years. We went to Yosemite and oh, we yeah. went here and, you know, went to a bunch of places in Utah, you know, like all those big parks there. And I kind of just had the, the, the taste for to try out 
the West Coast. So uh, we originally thought Los Angeles, but we thought we were just going to trade one set of problems for another. And I took a trip out to, to, to visit down here again. I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, who knew? I mean, so, this, is a, this is a great spot. I think in terms of like for a lot of things, quality of life, it's just it's not day. Mm. You know, it's between it's, here and L.A., yeah. you mean? Uh, well, yeah, and New York. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, even LA. I, I don't want to talk too much uh, smack on my LA friends, but, mm-hmm. or not my friends, but you know, <laughs> yeah, they're not they're, his they're friends. City. They're just people they're the, that live in yeah. those people. I have friends in <laughs> those LA. Those people. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it, the quality of life here is is, is nice. The weather. It's yeah. it's still a big city, but it's not too big. And it's not it's not an affordable place to live no. compared to other places in the country, but. Um, anywhere could, desirable, you're gonna have to dig up some coin for, but it's right. it's better than I had in New York for sure. Right. Yeah. And so you moved out here and you set up a, a new shop. Mm-hmm. Where, where's your shop located? My shop's in Spring Valley. Oh. Um, you know, it's it's not a retail space or anything. It's just where I have my tools and right. you know where I do my daily building. Um, kind of appropriate that's out there too. Is it Taylor is kind mm-hmm. of nearby? Yeah, isn't Alcone it? is uh, the big Taylor plant. That's like ten minutes from where I'm at, maybe so, less. So is uh, so is also uh, Deering Banjos yes, is out there yeah, as well. Yeah, very close. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, out in Spring Valley, it's you know a lot of instruments come out of there. Yeah, there's tons of uh, there's tons of music um, musical instruments being made in this area, in, in California in general. There's a guitar, lots of guitar builders. Huh. So it's kind of cool. So, Victor, again, thanks mm-hmm. so much for coming in and, oh, and chatting with us. Yeah, this is fun. And yeah. one more time, uh, online, where can our, our listeners find more about your guitars besides, of course, your V-blog on YouTube? Uh, it's victorbakerguitars.com. Yeah. And we're going to take it out with one more tune. Uh, could you introduce this one for us? Uh, yeah, th- this is a ballad, um, Lament for Spring, which is something that happens in New York City this time of year because it's winters are long. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this this is a new band I'm working with with local guys. Um, Jason Chatiel on piano. Another Philly guy. Before. Yeah, another Philly connection, actually, yeah, yes. Yeah. And uh, Harley Magsino on bass and Julian Cantemo on drums. And we recorded it at the guitar shop. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And these are actually the same guys we heard on the track under the jazz calendar, Weird Bread. Yeah, yeah. Same, same guys. Same band. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And again, thanks for coming down. And we're really looking forward to hearing you play and seeing you around the scene soon. Oh, man. Thanks. Yeah. yeah thanks been, for coming It's been by. great. Yeah, super fun.
You've been listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser. Performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artists. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Nine-string guitarist Chuck McGillicuddy brings his large noise ensemble Smell the Cat to a to-be-announced public space in Santee, or possibly Carlsbad, around 11.37 a.m. More information on smellthecat.gov. Oh, please, Matt, tell me you've stopped reading this by now.